Chapter fifty two of Half a Century by Jane Grace Wishelm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Find work. That evening I wrote to the New York Tribune relating the incident of the man asking for cooling drinks and saying that if people furnished the material i would devote my time to distributing their gifts next morning i got two dozen lemons pressed the juice into a jar put in sugar took a glass and spoon and so soon as visitors were admitted began giving lemonade to those men who seemed to have most need going to the water tank for every glass of water made it slow work but i improved my walks by talking to the men hearing their wants and adding to their stock of hope and cheerfulness and was glad to see that the nurses did not seem to object to my presence even though campbell was the one only hospital in the city from which female nurses were rigorously excluded so noted had it become for the masculine pride of its management that i had been warned not to stay past the length of an ordinary visit lest i should be roughly told to go away and my surprise was equal to my pleasure when a man came and said would it not be easier for you if you had a pitcher i said it would but that i lived too far away to bring one oh i will bring you a pitcher why did you not ask for one i did not want to trouble you for they told me you did not like to have women here he laughed and said i guess we'll all be glad enough to have you not many of your sort first thing they all do is begin to make trouble and it always takes two men to wait on one of them he brought the pitcher and i felt that i was getting on in the world still i was very humble and careful to win the favour of the king's chamberlain those potencies the nurses who might report me to that royal woman-hater dr baxter surgeon in charge whose name was a terror to women who intruded themselves into military hospitals as i passed with my pitcher i saw one man delirious and expectorating profusely a matter green as grass could be knew this was hospital gangrene and remembered all dr palmer had told me years before of his experience in paris hospitals and the antidotes to that and scurvy poison indeed the results of many conversations with first-class physicians and of some reading on the subject of camp diseases came to me and i knew just what was wanted here but saw no sign that the want was likely to be supplied for this man it was too late but i could not see that anything was being done to prevent the spread of this fearful scourge passing from that ward into the one adjoining i came suddenly upon two nurses dressing a thigh stump while the patient filled the air with half-suppressed shrieks and groans i had never before seen a stump but remembered dr jackson's lecture over the watermelon at dessert on amputation for the benefit of charles sumner and electricity never brought light quicker than there came to me the memory of all he had said about the proper arrangement of the muscles over the end of the bone and added to this came a perfect knowledge of the relations of those mangled muscles to the general form of the body i saw that the nurse who held the stump tortured the man by disregarding natural law and setting down pitcher and glass on the floor i stepped up knelt slipped my hands under the remains of that strong thigh and said to the man who held it now slip out your hands easy easy there the instant it rested on my hands the groan ceased and i said is that better oh my god yes well then i will always hold it when it is dressed 
but you will not be here i will come that would be too much trouble i have nothing else to do and will think it no trouble the nurse who did the dressing was very gentle and there was no more pain but i saw that the other leg was amputated below the knee and this was a double reason why he should be tenderly cared for so i took the nurse aside and asked when the wounds were to be dressed again he said in the morning and promised to wait until i came to help next morning i was so much afraid of being late that i would not wait for the street cars to begin running and walked the guard objected to admitting me as it was not time for visitors but i explained and he let me pass i must not go through the wards at that hour so i went around and came in by the door near which he lay what was my surprise to find that not only were his wounds dressed but that his clothing and bed had been changed and everything about him made as white and neat and square as if he were a corpse which he more resembled than a living man oh what a tribute of agony he had paid to the demon of appearance we all pay heavy taxes to other people's eyes but on none is the levy quite so onerous is on the patience of a model hospital i saw that he had breathed and slept and knew his time was short but sought the head nurse and asked why he had not waited for me he hesitated stammered blushed and said why the fact is sister he has another wound that it would not be pleasant for you to see do you mean that that man has a groin wound in addition to all else yes sister yes and i thought no matter what you thought you have tortured him to save your mock modesty and mine you could have dressed that other wound covered him and let me hold the stump you saw what relief it gave him yesterday how could you how dare you torture him well sister i have been in hospitals with sisters a great deal and they never help to dress wounds i thought you would not get leave to come would not like to i am not a sister i am a mother and that man had suffered enough oh how dared you how dared you do such a thing i wrung my hands and he trembled like a leaf and said it was wrong but i did not know i never saw a sister before i tell you i am no sister and i cannot think whatever your sisters are good for he promised to let me help him whenever it would save pain and i returned to the dying man the sun shone and birds sang he stirred opened his eyes smiled to see me and said it is a lovely morning and i will soon be gone i said yes the winter of your life is past for you the reign of sorrow is over and gone the springtime appears on the earth and the time for the singing of birds has come your immortal summer is close at hand christ who loveth us and has suffered for us has prepared mansions of rest for those who love him and you are going soon oh yes i know he will take me home and provide for my wife and children when i am gone then all is well with you he told me his name and residence in pittsburgh and i remembered that his parents lived our near neighbors when i was a child so more than ever i regretted that i could not have made his passage through the dark valley one of less pain but it was a comfort to his wife to know i had been with him when he slept again i got a slightly wounded man to sit by him and keep away the flies while i went to distribute some delicacies brought to him by visitors in which he would never need at the door of ward three a large man stood and seemed to be an officer i asked him if there were any patients in that ward who would need wine penado he looked down at me pleasantly and said i think it very likely madam for it is a very bad ward 
it was indeed a very bad ward for a settled gloom lay upon the faces of the occupants who suffered because the wardmaster and entire set of nurses had recently been discharged and new incompetent men appointed in their places as i passed down turning from right to left to give to such men as needed it the mild stimulant i had brought i saw how sad and hopeless they were only one man seemed inclined to talk and he sat near the centre of the ward while someone dressed his shoulder from which the arm had been carried away by a cannon-ball a group of men stood around him talking of that strange amputation and he was full of chat and cheerfulness they called him charlie but my attention was quickly drawn to a young man on a cot close by who was suffering torture from the awkwardness of a nurse who was dressing a large flesh wound on the outside of his right thigh i set my bowl on the floor caught the nurse's wrist lifted his hand away and said oh stop you are hurting that man let me do that he replied pleasantly i'll be very glad to for i'm a green hand i took his place and saw the wounded flesh creep at the touch of cold water and said cold water hurts you yes ma'am a little then we must have some warmth but nurse said there was none no warm water i exclaimed as i drew back and looked at him in blank astonishment no ma'am there is no warm water how many wounded men have you in this hospital well about seven hundred i believe about seven hundred wounded men and no warm water so none of them get anything to eat oh yes they get plenty to eat and how do you cook without warm water why there's plenty of hot water in the kitchen but we're not allowed to go there and we have none in the wards and where is the kitchen he directed me i covered the wound told the patient to wait and i would get warm water in the kitchen a dozen cooks stopped to stare at me but one gave me what i came for and on returning to the ward i said to charlie now you can have some warm water if you want it but i do not want it i like cold water best then it is best for you but it is not best for this man i had never before seen any such wound as the one i was dressing but i could think of but one way clean it thoroughly put on clean linen rags and bandages without hurting the patient and this was very easy to do but while i did it i wanted to do something more that is dispel the gloom which hung over the ward i knew that sick folks should have their minds occupied by pleasant thoughts and never addressed an audience with more care than i talked to that one man in appearance while really talking to all those who lay before me and some to whom my back was turned i could modulate my voice so as to be heard at quite a distance and yet cause no jar to very sensitive ears close at hand and when i told my patient that i proposed to punish him now while he was in my power all heard and wondered then every one was stimulated to learn that it was to keep him humble because having received such a wound in the charge on marie's hill he would be so proud by and by that common folks would be afraid to speak to him i should be quite thrown into the shade by his laurels and should probably take my revenge in advance by sticking pins in him now when he could not help himself this idea proved to be quite amusing and before i had secured that bandage the men seemed to have forgotten their wounds except as a source of future pride and were firing jokes at each other as rapidly as they had done bullets at the enemy when therefore i proposed sticking pins into any one else who desired such punishment there was quite a demand for my services and with my basin of tepid water i started to wet the hard dry dressings 
and leave them to soften before being removed before night i discovered that lint is an instrument of incalculable torture and should never be used as either blood or pus quickly converts some portion of it into splints as irritating as a pine shaving End of chapter fifty two